Welcome to the Ether. Today is Thursday, September 8th, 2022. Today on the Ether, Juno Builders, TFM AMA with Chain Tools and Muse DAO. Let's take a listen. Good afternoon, Highlander. Just inviting you up as the old co host. There he is. Good. Hey, how are you doing? I am doing well. Thank you very much, sir. I was just. <laughs> I don't know. What I was. I seemed to. I thought I had loads of time today, and then all of a sudden, it just seemed to run yeah. away from me. Snowballed as usual. It's been a good day, though, mate. I've been really productive. Um, I' happy to chat about it to the folks in the stream when they all arrive. It looks like Queen's passed away. Well, my mum's sitting there watching up. She's calling it a moment in history. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there's uh, Twitter's on fire, mate. Uh, as you can imagine, from a lot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, here we go, Muse Day. We'll bring them up. Wicked. Um, I'll need to do a tweet, actually, just to say that we are... I, I've i shared it in the journal group and stuff as well. So uh, I always find it hard to, to share stuff when you're actually in a space. Take your time, mate. It'll come. Hello. Hiya. Is that Hello. Christos? Yes, it's Christos uh, here. How you doing, man? Nice to chat hey. to you again. Likewise, yeah. It's been a little while. It's been a little while. We've been uh, we've been uh, venturing onto different things of late, but I've been keeping an eye on you progressing, man. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate yeah all of our our little exchanges along the way. But uh, yeah, it's exciting just to see how far things have come since we connected not too long Good. ago. Good, yeah. that's what it's all about. Yeah, yeah. I mean, mm. uh, Juno's doing well. I'm, I've got a, you know I had to chat with the the guys internally today, and uh, it's just like you know maybe. A month ago or something, we were all sitting going, we need more developers, we need more projects. And it's like, mm. out of nowhere, there is just stuff being shipped left, right and centre, uh, mm-hmm. which is really exciting. Really, really, really optimistic about the future of Juno, you know, because I think it's going to be great. Terror Spaces, yeah, hello. And Sandman, hello. Welcome. And here is, hello, big hello to Findola as well, who's arrived in the chat. Can you get Sandman up? I'm sort of still trying to do this. What do you do? Right Just now. press him and invite. Invite to speak. I think invite. Easy there you go. Boom. Okay. I'm a pro now. Absolutely. <laughs> Hi, Christos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've had the same thing with MySpaces. You know, all of these platforms are similar but different in all these quirky little ways. So it's yeah. always a little yeah. learning curve. Excellent. Do you want to give it some more time then, uh, Rebel? or? We'll just see if anyone else is going to drop in. It's been recorded I am. from uh, Terror Spaces. That's why these guys have come on board here. Uh, amazing contributors to the, the ecosystem and archiving all our chats, which is amazing. Okay, here we go. Tweet away. Shall I do some sharing? I did one anyway. It's always it's always here. I think there may well be another one. Oh, there, Terror Spaces is there. I did want to give a shout out to Finn who runs Terror Spaces. I was I was just thinking, like I mean, well, I'm certainly involved in crypto to because it's a lot of fun, but also also to make some money. Um, and I was just thinking that imagine that if Terror Spaces could somehow make about a hundred dollars from every single space that they record, he will be minted. So that's a nice contribution. If anyone, well, yeah, exactly. So I mean, I'm just thinking, if anyone on this space um, feels that they get value from it, listening about or hearing from him, um, mused out, they might want to contribute. I mean, just anything, even one Juno, one dollar, whatever. Not to us, but directly to Terra Spaces, and then just over time, excellent. Um, Terra Spaces Juno wallet should hopefully increase. Totally, man. Um, Post your little address there, uh, 
Terra spaces and we'll get um we'll get the word out. That's a good idea, Rebel. And I think Spark IBC were doing some sort of fundraise for I mean, to be honest, I think I mean Finn has a massive NFT collection. So yeah. it's 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 not like he's gonna use the money for um any good use or a good cause, but other than to just expand his totally, man. <laughs> expand his NFTs. So what's but, what's yeah. been going on this week, Rebel? Have you been up to anything interesting? Um well just a, a quick bit of shelling before we jump into the Mused Out conversation. TFM has actually come out with an updated DEX aggregator front end on Juno, which I'm pretty excited about. Um, but without further ado, I think we should start chatting to the Mused Out team rather than yes. <laughs> pumping our own bags. So, Christos, it, it has been great talking to you a little bit on Twitter. Um, but, I, I mean, I don't even see a link to your project on the main Juno website. So, in effect, that's one thing everyone should do. Um, Muse underscore token underscore DAO on Twitter is the official Twitter page for Muse DAO. I think I got that right, didn't I? Yeah, that's right. Yep. That is right. So, yeah, I would recommend everyone goes along, has a look at the page. If you think it's worthy of a follow, definitely click that button. And, yeah, Christos, I mean, do you want to tell us a little bit about how you got into crypto and why you decided to start building something on Juno. Absolutely. And um, so I, I can give, you know, more of the narrative background. And, and the reason I asked uh, our lead developer, Sandman, to be here is because uh, I'm definitely on the cultural side of, of the street, not the, not the, the technical, uh, but we were really lucky enough to be uh, introduced to, to Sandman early, early on once we started to focus and realize we wanted to build on Juno. But to sort of back things up to create more of a context of you know what MuseDAO is, why we decided to create this project, um, I think it's important to give a little background around an organization that I've been very heavily involved with and my co-founder of MuseDAO uh, was the founder of, which is called GroupMuse. And GroupMuse started about 10 years ago um, in the U.S. here, in, in actually in Boston, Massachusetts. And what Group Muse grew into is the largest chamber music, so classical house concert presenting platform uh, in the country and arguably in the world. Uh, they've done over 6,000 house concerts um, in the last 10 years. And basically what um, the niche that they started to carve out is very simple. It's basically classical music historically has been in concert halls, but it's also, there's a whole genre called chamber music, which originally was intended to be performed in the home, in the chamber. Uh, and so it's a much more intimate experience um, with a smaller audience. And chamber music model kind of got just sort of, uh, I guess you could say neglected. And the more classical music became institutionalized educationally, as well as just within the industry and the concert hall kind of uh, format, chamber music just was kind of stuffed into the concert hall sometimes, uh, where it feels kind of weird because it's, it kind of draws out that sterility of just too much empty space, too much division between the audience and the performer. You'd never really get to have a sense of who the people are who are playing. So on the total other side of the street, you have a college campus in Boston and there just happens to be these roommates. One of them is a classical pianist studying at the New England Conservatory. The other is just going to another college in the area. And they, they started to realize that having parties where you had music and you were this close to a classical musician who spends hours and hours every day on their craft, it started kind of blowing people's minds and also bringing together a different kind of cultural experience within you know, the community, especially for people in their early 20s on a college campus. Uh, but from there, they built a Web2 platform that just allowed anyone who wanted to host to be paired with any musician in the area. And then they could send it out to their friends and also the greater community of anyone else who's been attending group music concerts. And that grew from Boston over to New York, all the way over to the West Coast, to the point where um, it's now about 150,000 or so people who've participated over the years in these experiences. But it's also created an entirely new ecosystem for young musicians to 
carve out a niche for themselves to actually start asking questions of what kind of music do I want to play? How do I tell the story of this music to people sitting in front of me? And for audiences, you know, walking into somebody's apartment with a beer, a bottle of wine, whatever, and you sit on the floor and then there's a cellist right in front of you and then they have to talk to you, you know, they have to engage. So it, it really opened up and renewed um, this, this tradition in a way that shows that you know, the music is still very much alive. It just totally depends on evolving the container and the context. So we, over these last several years, we've, in a way, in our you know, modest way, started to decentralize classical musical culture out of these institutions where usually after you graduate conservatory, you just compete for an orchestra position or a teaching gig, and that's pretty much it. You know, music stays behind these walls. Um, but in order for that decentralization process to be complete, um, the, the, the pay that musicians receive for this, you know, it's very much an out-of-pocket, like, recommended minimum type situation where maybe you walk away with a couple hundred bucks and feeling good. But for it to be taken seriously as an actual alternative route for one's profession, we needed to create a more decentralized financial infrastructure. And, of course, with blockchain, that's... That's what we were drawn to it for. And I remember a few years ago, taking a hike up, hike up a mountain with the co-founder. She'd been like, you know, maybe we should look into this crypto stuff because uh, I think that what we have here is something, a lot of the issue with crypto is you need a, a solid use case. And I think we have a really solid use case here. We just need to figure out how to create the right container for it. Um, so that's, you know, that's kind of what led us up to the point of being like, okay, we don't know where to start, but let's try to figure this out. Um, we ended up getting into the, uh, there's a, for those who are familiar with Seed Club, it's an accelerator program for DAOs. Um, and we, we were in the fourth uh, Seed Club program, which allowed us to kind of ask a lot of questions and just try to find our, our kind of space and footing in, in the greater Web3 kind of environment. But we decided that we didn't want to get involved with anything that we saw playing out a lot, at least from our perspective in everything that had unfolded with sort of this la last wave of Web3 um, where you had DAOs emerging. And you had a lot of like clicky environments, a lot of hype, a lot of, you know, kind of where are the cool kids at kind of vibe, which is, you know, it's fine. That's, that's great. But for us, like we already have a community, we have a culture, we just need to use the tools that allow us to slowly incorporate this technology to help beef up our own infrastructure and you know, economic stability. So I started looking around. I'd always liked Cosmos just from like vibe I was getting. I didn't really know why, but the more I did my research and I discovered Juno and saw the tooling that was coming out right around the time that we were really looking to get something going. So that felt very synchronistic. And I just love the idea of, you know, a community of builders coming together to create something. And I think I, in my mind, was trying to create a narrative based around craft, meaning, you know, no matter what's going on in the world, you work on your craft. If, you know, prices are up, they're down, you work on your craft. And it's the same with music, you know, no matter what's going on, you, you work on your art form. And actually, it creates a stability there that you know, people often criticize culture for not being worth anything, but in reality, it's a constant. So anyway, that in my mind, I just saw some, some values alignment there. Um, and that's initially what I think drew us to, to getting involved with Juno. Well, what an excellent introduction. Thank you very much for that. I, I, sure. I really enjoyed listening to that. And then you said something, you said, I think you said, we already have a community. And just when you said that, like, I literally started smiling from year to year. I mean, builders, obviously, vitally important to this whole thing. Community as well. Like, you might have the best tools on, on a network, but unless there's a community there to use these tools, what's the point of building them? So, I, yeah, I love this idea of community. Sandman, would you like to jump in and tell us how you got involved? Sure. I think, I think we still might need to get him up well, on you speaker not up? Oh, okay. He's got a padlock next to his name. I've not seen that before. <laughs> That's true, isn't it? <laughs> He's not allowed to speak. <laughs> okay, okay, here he is. Here, here, is. here we go. Can you guys hear me well? Yep. Loud and clear. Okay, excellent. Um, I'm really happy to be here, guys. Um, thank you, Christos, for that great introduction. And so a little background on myself. Um, 
most of my exposure to coding and developing really came through, you know, computational biology. Um, I come from a medical background. I'm still, you know, heavily invested in the medical field. And, um, you know, I feel like it taught me a lot of valuable things in terms of like team management and being able to um, lead a team to finish a product. Um, you have to use a lot of different, you know, when you look at compute, computational biology, for example, you have to use a lot of different languages together. Um, it's not one way of doing it, you know, because sometimes you have um, some things that are good, some languages that are good for just writing script, for example. You have others for analyzing data. And so I spend a lot of time just looking through, you know, clusters of data. And that's kind of how I got into um, just developing, being able to lead a team. And when it really comes to like, for example, the medical field, you know, any type of research, you have to really have protocols that other people can follow. You know, that if you, for example, leave a place, others can come in and replicate the same thing advance what you have done and really try to figure out you know what is going on in that specific research field and so the reason why i mentioned this is because i think um that was kind of my ethos when i was developing this for christos um i wanted to give him something that he can use himself that he wouldn't have to be um necessarily tied to us as developers, something that he can, you know, figure out as an admin. And that's why we, when we were building the back end of this, I was always really thinking about the user experience that Christos would have. And so that kind of ties into how I got involved in this project. Um, he initially reached out to me looking for a team of people a team of developers that can that can do something like this and i've always been very interested in you know tokenizing small communities like this and obviously his community is very large you know it's a big web2 community and i think it's really important to be able to onboard you know those web2 users into our space um, i've really always been interested in crypto <laughs> i think as one of you guys mentioned you know, just to, you know, put some money aside or make some money, you know, flip something, flip a coin. And, you know, I started this when I was an undergrad. So 2014, 15, I, I really got exposed to the space. And then, you know, over time, as I got more involved in, you know, developing in a different field, I, I realized that like all of these tokens and, you know, infrastructures are built by developers. And so, that's kind of how my story came about and how my path crossed with, uh, with Christos. And so, you know, I guess that's like a quick little introduction. I, I don't want to speak too much. I don't know how much time we have to speak, but that's kind of how um, we met. That's my background. Um, I'm just happy that, you know, we finished the product. So, you know, if, if there's more questions that you guys want me to get into or, me talk about, you know, MuseDAO, you know, on a higher level in detail, um, I'm more than happy to. Awesome. Thank you very much for that introduction, Sam. And yes, you just showed me up for my terrible housekeeping at the start of this call. Um, typically, we go for about an hour. So hopefully that's okay with you guys. If we have lots of audience questions, then yeah, we'll easily hit that hour. If you've got not too much participation, maybe we'll, we'll not get there. You never know. But I mean, I'm just amazed by your project already because when Highlander told me about MuseDAO, I thought, oh, well, I've, I've not, I've not heard of MuseDAO. It must be some sort of new project just starting off. Had a look at your website, looked very interesting. But I mean, Sandman's just said you've you've finished building. Is that right? Yeah. Today we just did the final confirmation of the portal that we've built. Yeah. So for, we started in about April, I think it was um, in the spring. 
we we you know just kind of got clear on on our our timeline and um and yeah we we literally just wrapped up uh we have our launch date on next uh thursday so a week from today actually uh, is when the portal will go live <clears throat> so so yeah it's been quite a journey but um we've it, I've been really pleased with with the team that Sandman put together and, and the passion and dedication they've they've had um, on the project and and yeah I, I think it's I mean certainly uh, a first of its kind just because so many things are but it's certainly the first of its kind of bringing an organization like like ours together uh, and and I think Sandman has done a wonderful job at making it user friendly for us as admins uh, but also for the musicians that we are now going to be onboarding uh, kind of in our first phase. Hey, Christos and Sandman, both fantastic speeches there. Excellent stuff. I would like to know more about the portal. Um, could you talk to me about it, like if I was a musician getting into the Musdal? Absolutely. Uh, I will talk about it as as I would. <laughs> um, and then cool. maybe Sandman uh, can you know fill out any any other technical aspects that I, I might miss or, or that might help clarify how it actually works. But basically what we needed was first and foremost, a way for musicians to interact with, uh, with the blockchain. Right. And so just, we, I, I knew that I wanted something like a very simple DeFi, you know, kind of uh, platform of sorts where they can start becoming familiar with what it's like to hold a token, to swap tokens, as well as to stake, provide liquidity, all the basic functions, um, but do it in a place where they're all there, as well as voting. Um, so, so I wanted it to be sort of like a one-stop, user-friendly place where musicians can go. You know, they can first be instructed to get a Kepler wallet, to go to the site, sync up their wallet, and then start to get familiar with these processes with, of course, you know, some guided tutorials and things like that as reference. But the most important element is the way that MuseDAO works is, is the vision has always been that we wanted to provide musicians with uh, an asset, a parallel asset. So if they receive compensation, compensation, compensation for performing at an event, we wanted to also send them Muse token, sort of almost a universal basic income per month. Every month that they are performing at least one concert in a grassroots setting, that has been approved by one of our presenting partners, Group Muse being the foremost partner. So we would need a way for them to register under the umbrella of one of these organizations by simply just adding their email address, their name, and the organization. So then we can go and confirm with the organization that that's legitimate. And then we have their wallet address. And then from there, once they're registered, they would go back to the site and post the URL of the performance that they have performed. So on Group Muse, for example, there's an event page and it's it's always up there even after the event is over. So we would go and check that and confirm, yes, this took place. We will you know, add them to the monthly airdrop where they will receive a certain allotment of Muse token and everyone will receive the same amount. And that can be reviewed and changed monthly based on the market. But that's that was the main mechanism, which we just call proof of performance. Um, and so basically it allows the musician to receive this asset which becomes an expression of the activity that the cultural activity that they did that month. Um, and over time, we would encourage them to stake this asset and you get a 5% APY for doing so. But in a way it's, so it's, it becomes a, uh, an asset that's a metaphor or a symbol for their commitment to culture, their participation in culture and, and in their art form. So those are the, so you would go to the site as a musician to register first so that you become eligible to receive Muse token. And then every month, to put in your URL, um, that just marks, you know, gives proof that you performed that month. And then you would go at the end of the month to claim uh, your allotment of, of Muse token. That's great. Uh, sorry, Brian, well, on you go. Is that, so, so the Muse token then, thank you, Highlander. Um, so the Muse token is, is kind of going to be like airdropped to performing artists. Is that... Correct. That correct. Yes. Yes. And we're using we're actually using Juno tools. Sandman has, has and again. I can let him speak more to that. But he's he's built in um, integrated the the airdrop uh, feature on Juno tools for that. Wow. So yeah, j just while you were telling us that, I went and had a little look at the website, and it's got a nice countdown timer on it just now. So we've got another six days and nineteen hours 
and 35 minutes till the site will be fully live. Um, just now, I mean, you've brought up the token. I mean, is the token called Muse? Yes, it's M-U-S-E. And there is another Muse out there, <laughs> uh, not in the Cosmos uh, universe, but uh, uh, Ethereum-centric Muse. But we, once we knew that, we were like, you know, we, we've been group Muse for so long. The idea of the Muses and this token representing that, the spirit of that, uh, we, we felt like we still wanted to go with it. So, yeah, it is Muse, M-U-S-E. Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. Ethereum tokens are are completely different to stuff in the cosmos. Just, yeah. I mean, just thinking about tokenomics for a second, if artists are going to be receiving Muse for participation, for like doing a little chamber, do we call it a gig? For, for, yeah. <laughs> for making a performance. I mean, what, what's the incentive not just to dump that straight away? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And I think it's it's important when we're talking about that for the musicians to also uh, include the patron side of the conversation, uh, just just so it starts to make sense, because otherwise it's just like, okay, so we're just airdropping musicians every month and money's, you know, tokens are going out, but, but what else is going on in the ecosystem to make it sustainable? Uh, and so I, maybe I'll, I'll just preface with with that of the, why we're calling it, we're calling it a patron token. So what is what is a patron token? Um, so basically, in classical music or other historic musical art forms, I think classical music provides the clearest use case of this. Patronage has has been central from the beginning, right? Like when you even go back into the courts. And, you know, like in like, say, Mozart's day, and you had the court or the, the king or the emperor or whatever commissioning, uh, paying for the musicians, even paying for the instruments, uh, the musicians' instruments, which, you know, are extremely expensive. Uh, but also there was always this relationship between the patrons and the artists. Over time, there became a third party that was much more and more prominent which are what we see today as nonprofit organizations, institutions, middlemen. Um, and so as a patron, say you give $100,000 to the Met Opera, you know, every year. And traditionally, I suppose you do that because then you got your name up there, you got your name in the program, you felt good, you felt like within society or something, you know, you, you were, it elevated your, your presence or your stature. Um, but when donating to those, uh, organizations, which over time became more and more prestigious, the musicians are last in line to receive those resources. A lot of them go to the administration, to the upkeep of the hall, all sorts of things. It's not a sustainable industry. It depends on patronage. If patrons didn't exist, the whole thing would collapse. And that's what it's slowly doing because less and less people find value in, in giving in that sort of way. And so with the patron token, the idea is that we're going back to this earlier time in a way, but renewing it where it's much more grassroots. It's much more based on direct connections with artists, but at the same time, connecting with a larger culture as well. So on the other side of the street, the musicians are receiving the token, but the first phase is basically encouraging early adopters who are already arts patrons, who may be donating a certain amount every year. Um, rather than donating, start investing in this culture through this ecosystem. So you're not obviously donating your money, you're holding it, you're just transferring your resources into the token. And we're encouraging staking again as like a commitment of a long-term commitment to this. So why would a musician not just like receive their token and cash out? I mean, they obviously can, we're not gonna keep them from doing that. But the point is that we want parallel income streams for artists, parallel resources for artists. The way the, muse, the group music platform works is right now you pay $5 to RSVP, to show up to a group muse. That goes to the platform to, for upkeep and all of that. And then when you're at the performance, you pay whatever the minimum requested is. Um, it could be $15, it could be $20 per person. So we already have these two acts of giving. So we just, over time, we want to slide in the muse token as the way to RSVP for that event. We have what are called super musers, they're memberships. So you pay a membership fee, uh, every, a membership every month, and you can go to as many, you can RSVP as many times as you want. So that's where we're we're going to slide these together. So the so the Muse token is seen as an asset more than it's like cash. You know, it's something that you hold over time, and maybe at some point in your life, if you need to cash in on that, it's there for you. 
but it's also just an expression of your activity within that ecosystem. So if a musician's holding a certain amount of token, it means they've played a lot of, of concerts in, in these settings. You know, if, if someone's holding a lot as a patron or an attendee, it means they're very passionate about the community. And over time, we will be incentivizing people who are consistently holding the tokens. Um, but we really want to align it with the investment in the ritual itself, the culture itself, and the people who really find meaning in it. Because the whole point of how Group Muse built was grew. It grew by word of mouth. We didn't use social media. We didn't use anything. You just, we used one concert at a time, one person at a time. At every concert, two or three people go, oh my God, I want to host one of these. And then we just say, this is how you do it. So we, we want the token to grow within that context of believing in the ability for meaningful cultural experiences to create a very stable foundation of value that we can translate into the token over time. Um, and the musicians who we onboard, we want them to, to understand that and be committed to that and realize the more that they invest and hold the token over time, we can all stabilize it together through our activity and our commitment. Highlander, I think you had a question. Yeah, uh, brilliant. A, a little idea just came to my head. Now, a little bit of background on me, everyone, is I worked in the music industry for seven years as a touring systems engineer, and I've worked all around arenas all around the world. And I've worked with classical music, I've worked with rock and roll, I've worked with dance. I've done a lot. Now, this is an amazing concept and it's really exciting me. And I've excited me from day one when I met you, Christos, at what you were building with Sandman. And when you're saying about like people may just dump the token, which is obviously a concern if if you don't really understand what you're trying to do here. But a suggestion being if an artist um used the DAO, for instance, and maybe they had something where they had to stake half of the the payment straight to the DAO. But as you say, it gives them voting rights. Um, you could create, you know, it, this is basically um, classical music orientated, but you could have the same thing on a rock and roll environment. Is that something that you might look into or are you strictly going to just be doing classical stuff? Because I think the concept's amazing, uh, no matter what genre it is. Yeah, I, I mean, I totally agree. I, I think... For us, because our background is, is, is in this one particular, very specific experience of like grassroots, intimate house concerts. Yeah. Uh, if anyone's familiar with So Far Sounds, uh, you know, that's, that's something that we often would, people would compare us to in, in the more singer-songwriter kind of genre. Um, moving forward into the future, I mean, there, there's all sorts of, open-ended discussions around even just opening up to any kind of experience where people want to come together and share something interesting. But for now, because we care really deeply and are really invested in providing an ecosystem for artists within the classical music world, within the jazz world, within people that we've just encountered, like, you know, you're saying working in the, in the profession that we've encountered over the years that we know need something like this to actually yeah. do their jobs. And we feel like there's a lot of great work right now happening with NFTs and things for, for a lot of other, you know, musical styles, you could say. Um, but ultimately, I mean, I think th at the very least, what we're doing could be seen as an example and a blueprint to follow with maybe down the road, some cross collaboration or cross pollination. I mean, I think the way that we see it, uh, you know, I've been in the, in, in this industry for about a decade now where, I wear several different hats associated with several different organizations that all overlap with each other in this really weird way, because when it's based on nonprofits, it becomes extremely territorial, right? Of like, oh, don't talk to that person too much, or oh, you shouldn't invite this person to this concert because then maybe they're going to give their money to that one. And so what we're trying to do is just dissolve all of those ridiculous barriers that are really based on a territorial centralized model and, and use Muse as the foundation and say, well... Everyone can be as, as many ones as they want because all that these containers are, these nonprofit containers, are really just curators, some of which do better job than others. But if you allow the resources to be shared on a greater context, then those boundaries of those nonprofits. Um, so that's kind of like where we're just, again, coming from a very like grassroots ground up, we see the issues in front of us situation. But obviously, uh, I mean, I would, I would trust others who, who are working in those fields much more to maybe slightly tweak what we are doing 
that in a way that might best suit them. Like this one best suits like house concerts, uh, intimate house concerts with musicians who have a lot of training in one thing and really not much idea of, of how to bring that skill into the world uh, out of the lanes, the, the kind of dismal lanes that they're offered upon graduation and, and, and throughout their careers. So I think that that's absolutely something that we want others to to check out and, and draw from as much as they want. I mean, we are sort of an experiment at this point. So it, it could go great. It could take a long time to get off the ground. I mean, that's we're you know, and we appreciate as we are introducing ourselves to the, the Web3 community, the, the Cosmos Juno community. I mean, yeah, we're not going to do everything perfect, obviously. But if you if you get to know who we are, our backgrounds and what we're trying to do, then I'm sure you can at least draw some inspiration and some ideas from what we're doing, um, at the very least. But but for now, our our main success, like at the, by the end of the year, if we get a, a good amount of the musicians in our community onboarded, holding wallets, performing and registering and receiving muse, and we get a good group of our early adopters and patrons invested in staking the token, that's to us, that's... In, 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 from the year and a half or two years where we started with this idea, if we can get to that point within that time frame, to us, that's a massive success. And we're happy uh, <laughs> with just getting that baby step. That's brilliant. Well done. Um, a, a great concept. I, I love every bit of it. Uh, yeah, I echo those sentiments exactly. I mean, I, I think it's a great way to like onboard people into crypto. I, I love like sort of the real world crossover. So we're not just like playing with numbers on a computer screen. There is actual genuine utility into this project that you're building. Absolutely. And, and that's where to us, you know, we, we, I was even like hesitant to, to even announce the launch because we, we, we want to start, start small. We want to start humble, just like group news started. It started in a college dorm, you know, <laughs> and so we want to show that, Web3 technology can be utilized from the start to build something completely connected to an embodied in-person ritual that's been going on for hundreds, if not thousands in one form or another of years, and that it actually frees it from the limitations that it currently is being completely obstructed by. Um, so, you know, we're an arts organization using a Web3 technology rather than a Web3 organization using arts as our like springboard to get people you know, investing in us or something. Um, and I, I think that's an important distinction to make because it means that it's going to be slow and steady. I mean, if it, if it goes too fast, I will actually be more concerned with that. If we have more success early on, that to me is, is less actually of a success because it means that there's a huge inflation going on in interest. And a lot of those people aren't our community members because it's going to be a long process to get them on board and get them familiar. Even within GroupMe's, we had to separate the two organizations because at first we were just going to go, all right, GroupMe's is going Web3. And then it's like, oh, no, it's not because half of GroupMe's is freaking out. Um, so, you know, we have to still demonstrate to both communities, to the Web3 community, to the GroupMe's community, to the patron community, that what we're doing is actually legit, sustainable. And to do that in a way that's never been done before, it's going to take time. It has to take time. So, yeah, that's sort of, you know, the long view of where we're at. Thank you. Yeah, I saw Sandman with his hand up, but then it went down. I don't know if you want to come back in or not. I, I want to jump in um, and add some details or some of my um, views on things as well. Um, I, I know one of the hosts uh, mentioned something about, you know, why would the artist not want to um, dump their tokens, for example. And I think what we really want to foster with this project is, you know, the artists themselves really have to buy into the concept and by staking their tokens, um, by interacting with the portal and really just like getting word out there about this. Um, I think that's kind of the support the token needs for it to increase in value. Like any other um, project, you know, the people that get in first, they usually see the best returns, so on and so forth. And the people that come after, and then, you know, it gets less and less. So why would an artist not want to dump their token? It's because, you know, they're using MuseDAO 
with the belief that this is going to be something that they will actually use as a method of, you know, proof of performance per se, um, as a method of, you know, really being able to get rewarded for contributing to the classical music space. And, and, you know, as I was building this, as we were building this, I always thought about, we wanted to create something that not only is tailored to the artists, but also people that want to invest in this idea. So many of the features that the portal has is, is of interest to also crypto enthusiasts. It's something that we want them to use. So for example, a DEX where you can, you know, change and swap tokens, um, where you can add liquidity to already established pools. So we don't, you know, obviously this is a musician tailored project, but we know that a lot of the support that we will also get is from, you know, the Cosmos community, the Juno community, um, people that, really believe in crypto as as a way of changing people's lives per se and i think a lot of musicians do have the chance to change their lives but that obviously just comes through collaboration um and that kind of ties into just building a team or you know getting a project like this to come to fruition it's a very collaborative process it's not something that I can just sit down and do. You know, people need to do specific things. People need to specialize in their niche fields and, you know, projects that focus on a niche and are able to propel that and expand it and then allow other people to to develop on top of that with the same idea, like you had mentioned about the rock music, um, to take that idea and maybe another team comes in, sees what we have done, and you know, does something parallel. I think that's ultimately what's going to advance Web three. You know, we have to onboard users that you know might otherwise not really get exposed to this. But it has to be welcoming for them. You know, the same way I try to make you know we try to make the the admin portal you know welcoming to the admins of MuseDAO. We try to make the website the portal welcoming to the user. Um, for me, and I know Crystal's as well, because you know, we, you know, we did this in, in collaboration together. You know, the user experience, the UI UX is always so important. And you know, in all the projects I've done, I always start there. There's, there's nowhere else to start. You have to start with what the interface feels like, what the user sees when they come in what what are they exposed to um having a dynamic landing page where it draws you in but it's not it's not clustered or it's not um it's not, it's not overexposing you to information um and i think with muse that we we did that really well and obviously we took inspiration from great already established projects in the juno ecosystem on cosmos and i think that's what really makes you know, Juno special, I think most of the projects, maybe all the projects that have come out, um, they, they really, they're very user centric. They, they take the, they take what, what they know as developers, but they always have the user in mind. And I think that's really important. And so, um, you know, just some of the, I just wanted to like touch upon some of the things that I felt as somebody that was working on this, that made Muse that special, but yeah, that's amazing. Um, you know, how do you stake? Do you guys? You're on Dow Dow. Is that where the staking tokens will be going? Yeah, Sam, so, I actually, you, you can speak to maybe the, the work you've done there. Yeah, cool. Yeah, so when you go into the um, portal, you have the invest option where you can stake your tokens through Dow Dow. The voting option, um, where you can, you know, vote through Dada as well. But what we wanted to do was to have everything built in to the website. 
So not not have like an iframe, for example, where you know you see Dao Dao, but where when you interact with Dao Dao, that's reflected on our front end. Yeah, so it's sort of back end sort of going on. Exactly. And, and you just exactly. wanted to channel everybody to the front end of Muse Dao. That's, that's great. Obviously, I get that. That's fantastic. I'll just link exactly. your website in the chat here. Um, there was another question, but I forgot it. If uh, Rebels or Christoph, you get in to say, go for it. Oh, yeah. go ahead. Sorry, Christoph, of you. Oh no, I'm I'm good. Whatever, whatever you all have. Uh, any other questions? I was I was just loving listening to the pair of you. I mean, you're talking about collaboration and cooperation, and I, that, I just love that. I mean, I I used to be. Uh, yeah. Okay. While well, we uh, wait, I guess you know something I did want to mention is. Um, I do really like, and I think this is something maybe other projects can can kind of follow suit. You know, maybe use our our project as as a, as an example. You know, building everything natively in. You know, I know obviously it takes time, and it might be you know very tedious to do. But I think you know not redirecting people to to other pages, but using the tools that we have. You know that people on Juno devs on Juno have built, but you know keeping that experience within the core website, I think that's very important. And I think that's something that hopefully we see more of. Um, obviously, redirecting is a viable option. You know, you just go to the Dada page, you can do your voting there. But I think it, it might be, it, you know, it's it's more, because it, I'm always I'm always flustered. Personally, for myself, I'm always flustered when I get redirected somewhere. I'm like, where is this? Where am I going to? Do I trust this website? Do I need to like connect my wallet again? So I was really thinking about this as as we were doing this to to just keep the you know our audience in the website to just keep them in there and I think as we build out more um obviously this was like phase 1 the first phase you know the first rendition of what we're doing and as as we build out the site more add more features to the portal um I think that's really important to have the user stay in the in the site in the portal offer them all the experiences there rather than having to link them to different amazing tools that Juno devs have built. Obviously they're, you know, they're great. And if they weren't, you know, we wouldn't be able to do um, what we, what we have thus far, but I, I think that's going to become more important as things get more fleshed out. Um, especially with Musda, uh, you know, once we add more features. Sandman, just a quick one. That was the question I was thinking of. Um, users, coming to use MuseDAO, right? They're in a little concert, an indoor concert at their homes and stuff. Are you hooked up to mobile? Is it easy enough UX experience for people to just use your mobile and get around MuseDAO? 100%. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. It's a game yeah. changer, definitely. 100%. Yeah, and you know, you. it's interesting. There's, you know, some some UI UX specialists, some, some you know, developers that really focus on UI UX, they they overlook the mobile aspect or even like the tablet aspect. And I think this is something that, um, and it, it, you know, the reason why this is, I personally feel like is because um, most of the people that have enough experience to be able to do something like this, they come from a web to world. And um, you know, some of these things don't matter as much, but for example, like you never want your connect wallet button to overlap, like your invest button or something, you know, just little things that, you know, people in the crypto space understand are important to them. Maybe somebody that's coming over from the Web2 space might not know. And I think it's really important for anybody. And I know, um, you know, a lot of people are interested, might be interested in doing their own projects, um, you know, creating, you know, amazing interfaces for, for us to work with. Um, I think it's really important to be patient, you know, with people that are coming over, you know, amazing developers coming over from the Web2 space that, you know, or trying to get their hands dirty and trying to learn about this. I think, you know, patience and kindness is really important to allow people to learn, um, to give them time to understand what makes, you know, a crypto experience special for that user. And so I'm really happy you touched upon that. Um, we know most of, you know, not most, but like I think maybe it's 50-50 or 60-40. A lot of people are on mobile or yeah. might be on tablets. And, you, you know, the, the site is tailored to them as well. And so you will have the same experience that you will have on on the website uh, when you're using your your laptop or your desktop uh, on mobile as well. And so I take it it can connect to Kepler on 
via mobile as well then yes mm-hmm. right that's that's amazing yeah. excellent so yeah just just a few more questions on that then sad man i mean also if anyone in the audience has a question for the guys of Musedow, just pop your hand up we'll get you up but just yeah just thinking about your tokens and swaps and stuff are, are you saying like liquidity is going to be i'm not taking any questions if um if there are oh. any oh so yeah. did, can you hear rebel he was just I, asking i can't no i can't oh, I, I wasn't i'm not sure maybe, why maybe christos christos can relay the message but it's just sure. like yeah I can is, is it i mean is Musedow going to have its own decks is there going to be liquidity on the website oh, sam man did you hear he was no, just asking. I, I, just, I think his his mic. He, I okay, he, he was saying, is, is Musedow going to have its own decks? Is there going to be liquidity on the site? And, you know, I mean, the answer is yes. But, I'll, I'll, again, I'll let you kind of expand on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it, it's pretty much like JunoSwap. It's as if you, you know, we try to replicate. Obviously, like, we're limited, limited tokens, like limited pairings. But, you know, it's pretty much like a JunoSwap where you can go in and uh, add liquidity to other tokens. If you have, like, the Cosmos Juno pairing and you want to uh, add liquidity, you can do that. On, on on the portal if you want to swap your tokens if you want to do um if you want to use the bridge you can do all those things um you know in the portal and i think that you know uh, and this might be like a u.s based thing um you know we have a we have a chain of stores called costco and they have this a uh, baked chicken for four dollars and 99 cents that they lose money on but they bring people in for that, like people come in to buy this chicken, and then <laughs> when they're in there, they they buy other things as well, right? And so uh, we felt like it's really important to to make sure that you know p- people that might not even be interested in in the Muse token that at least they have a space where they feel welcomed and they can use our tools and maybe um, get exposed to Muse and then support musicians become interested in this space, maybe um, see an artist that they've never heard about or attend a performance that, you know, they might've never, you know, had the chance to get exposed to. I think so. So I think that was really important. And, you know, so we, we've built everything um, on the portal. Yeah. And that's something that I, again, initially from the, the musician's perspective and, and the patron's perspective is where I was, uh, when, when Sam and I were talking about this and we decided like, yeah, absolutely. We, we want those features. We want everything on the portal that it's, it's almost like, Dex 101 or DeFi 101 in a way, um, but I think there'll be a lot of like unexpectedly like positive learning experiences that come out of that. Where like, say you're a musician and you've never been to a Dex before, you've never done you know anything like that, but then you you follow the tutorial, you you get I don't know maybe you buy some Atom, you transfer it to Kepler, and then you you know you swap it out for Muse Token on the you start to experience that, and then maybe you go to Juno Swap or you know, osmosis or whatever. And, and it's familiar now. You go, oh, yeah, yeah, I see what this is. It's like that thing I was just using. So it is a is a kind of an indirect way to onboard and educate musicians to and, and people within our community to use these Web3 tools in a way where they're using them, not because necessarily they, they initially wanted to go and check out a DEX, but because in order to participate in our community, it's something that they need to learn. Just like I mean, we've experienced that over the last 20, 30 years, right? With all internet kind of based things where the beginning people are like, oh, I'm never going to use that. And then now it's like everyone would can't even imagine not using it. And so, yeah, I, I think that the portal is going to serve a few different purposes. Um, but the primary one was, as Sam has been saying, just making it as user friendly as possible, especially for musicians who, um, yeah, just really... We don't want them to feel like they're learning all of the things that we had to take on just to get to this point. Awesome. I mean, one thing, I mean, you guys are speaking so eloquently about your project. I, I absolutely love it. I mean, often projects, when they're launching, they really want to get people involved with the project, using the project. But from what you're saying, like, you almost like you don't want us using the project. <laughs> it, just, it just seems just so counterintuitive, but I love it. So yeah, can you maybe talk on on like who ideally do you want using the project, and who would you rather just wait a little while? Like, so for example, I'm I like music, but I'm not a musician. Is am I your target market right now, or are you maybe targeting musicians? See. 
Um, that's a great question. And Sam, and you probably have something you want to say about it too. I mean, I, I obviously we don't want to send the message that anyone is unwelcome. You know, it's not like we're saying, all right, get away. This is only for the elite musical people. You know, it's, it's much more, I think what, as Sam and I have both been kind of saying is like, we're, we're doing something that maybe is a little different, uh, than a lot of projects in the sense of like, we don't want, we don't want to peak at the beginning, you know, right. We don't want like what I sometimes think of as the talent show problem, right? Where you show up on one of these like got talent shows and like that's the peak of your career. That's the big tune in moment. And then everything else is like trying to get back to that. Uh, like we want kind of the opposite, just a slow, organic, real growth. And so, you know, with social media and everything else, which I personally don't have a lot of experience with, but have learned kind of the hard way that like, yeah, it is, I mean, obviously it's a hype machine, I mean, or it can be, but I think we just want to try to, the best we can stay grounded in our position, which is very clear. I think the reason why we're able to speak so lucidly about it is because it's very, it's a, it's a real world use case that comes out of de- uh, years of experience with a certain, uh, you know, activity. We're just adding a little bit of new terminology and protocol to that same activity. So it's something that has years of momentum behind it. And we want to speak from that because as soon as we start speaking from just, at least for me, a web three crypto kind of tokenomics DeFi perspective, then I'm like, uh, you know, I, I feel like I'm, yeah, just not in my integrity. So I think that at this point, we're really just looking for people who rather than just like reading one tweet and then like, whatever impulsively doing something about it we we want people to to who are who want to know more and, and are looking to actually help web3 integrate with the real world in a meaningful way and recognize that that's essential for basically all of this to work um so for us it's it's really an open invitation to anyone who is inspired and interested in what we're doing but also who wants to take the time to really learn what we're doing not just technically but on a human side, on a cultural side, to learn about the work we've already done, and that we actually, it is an invitation to participate in something, and that we need people's help. We need their feedback. We, it's going to be collaborative. Um, so it's, it's really, yeah, I mean, you're, anyone who's interested in music, anyone who cares about culture and meaningful in-person experience and trying to use that as a way to create sustainability, to create meaningful culture, to support art forms. Like, yeah, all of these things, obviously everyone is welcome right away. I think we just want to be careful not to send the wrong message, not to hype it up, uh, but to take our time and to understand that the people, we, we want them to be patient with this project. You know, we want them to, to not have expectations that it's just going to launch right out the gates and, and you know, into, into some like skyrocketing payday. It's, it's, that's, if that happens, like I said, if that happens then we've kind of failed in, in our, our mission here, um, we, we want it to, to, to ground it in the earth, you know, and, and it's by nature going to trudge along a little slower once you're, you're actually touching on the ground. And just for the listeners, Christos has shared some some of the events that they've actually did, and it's really inspiring. It's something you might want to check out um, to get a general feeling of what they what they what they're trying to achieve. Um, maybe you could link it in this chat or something, Christos, just for some of the listeners. Yeah, I can. Uh, I've never actually tried to link anything, but I can. Yeah, I can see what I can do here. Yeah, I mean that's. Space is recorded as well, but if there's anywhere you can point them to go and find them, um, obviously their Twitter page would be a useful place to go and search. But yeah, worth checking out. Really good stuff. Yeah, I would like to uh, add something on top of what uh, what Christos was was talking about. I think it's you know, for example, when you look at a blockchain, when developers are creating a new blockchain, I think it's really important for you know for them to create an infrastructure where other developers can come in and develop, obviously, right? Because, you know, the whole point of the blockchain is for you to be able to build on top of it, to expand it. And I think that's kind of the mindset that Christos and I had or is alluding to. First, we need to make sure that the people that are going to develop, right, the musicians on our portal can do so, right? Being able to advance the proof of, performance protocol. But what comes after this, um, and wh- why does it matter, is because 
once we have that down and it's already established, now you can focus on the proof of attendance and that's more user-based. So now that an artist has, you know, done a performance, how can the user that was interested in this and that supported this cause can also have a similar experience to the musician? And I think these are things that you kind of build over time. And I think it's really important. I think first, the people providing the service need to be onboarded. And then the users that will, you know, have the enjoyment, then we need to reward them for, for being present. And I think that's, that's something that uh, I think about uh, as, as we move along that, that we can definitely do. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I actually just signed myself out trying to, to, to drop the thing, but I'll, I'll, I'll just reply under the, the spaces with, with a, a link to, to one of the clips. But I, I just wanted to say, yeah, absolutely to what Salmon just said. I mean, the thing, again, with these concerts, it's so funny to try to talk about them because it has to be experienced, you know, it's like anything in life, right? You can tell somebody, oh, I went to this amazing place. They're like, oh, that sounds cool. But then they go and they're like, oh my God, you know, and with these kinds of experiences, that's why we've had success. It's been all about the experience and, and very little about everything else. If anything, the Web2 platform that Rootmuse created, you know, it's it's very minimalist and and it just, it's historically just succeeded getting out of the way so that the real life experience is what's at the center. But just to kind of reframe or, or, you know, contextualize phase one, up to the end of this year, we launch, we get, we onboard musicians, early adopters, patrons. We don't have the mechanism in place yet to, to really integrate with uh, the event platform interface. So it would be more word of mouth. Oh, support us through picking up some use tokens, so on and so forth. But phase two is to actually integrate it with a platform, whether it's group music or another one, where anyone can participate by attending these in-person experiences anywhere in the country and somewhat abroad, more abroad in the future. Um, but right now, mostly U.S.-centric. And that's when the proof of attendance will become part of it. Where, and that's where I think it will really create something new, where everyone in the audience is the feeling of an audience that's actually invested in literally the experience happening it's like you're aligning the profit impulse with the community impulse in a way that really hasn't happened where you you feel invested in the whole experience but it's a, it's actually a very wholesome feeling uh and so i'm very excited to see that phase and then moving forward beyond that you know that's when i think we would be more open-ended looking for collaboration probably bringing in nft incentivizations all of that but um but for now like i said we're just happy to be getting out of the gates and inviting anyone along who, who, you know, resonates with what we're trying to do and, and wants to learn with us. Awesome. Well, thank you very much, Christos and Sandman for jumping on. We've been chatting for just over an hour now. I, I mean, I highly recommend anyone listening goes and checks out your Twitter page, muse underscore token underscore DAO. Um, I hadn't actually scrolled all that far down prior to this call, but after M. Highlander talked about the musical performances, I went and saw that there's a really nice um, cello performance, and it, it, it looks it looks so intimate. Just all these people crowded into a not that big room, um, maybe five people on a sofa, enjoying some music. Before before we shut this thing down, is there anything you want to sort of close with? I mean, you, your last comment was quite a nice roundup, but anything you think we might have forgotten to um, touch on? I mean, I can just add to that point that you said is um, we, we actually, in, in uh, combination with our launch on the 15th, we are actually doing a launch party in Brooklyn, uh, which is going to be a larger intimate experience. But we have about, I don't know, it's be about 120, 125 people in a whiskey distillery in Bushwick where we have a string quartet um, with violinist who's actually been very central to uh, group news and news DAO, um, then they're going to be playing. So it's going to be really a celebration of all of these worlds coming together. And the audiences are going to be from the musical world, from the, the New York uh, crypto community. And, you know, it, to us, it's just going to be that that launch where, where we start bringing all of these worlds and energies together. And we're going to document some of that. So we'll, we'll throw that up there for those who uh, aren't in New York and can't make it to check it out. That sounds absolutely amazing. Definitely looking forward to that. Highlander, do you want to say anything before we shut it down? Just a big thank you for um, building on Juno. Uh, such a 
very, very interesting project as a musician, as a fond lover of the classical music myself as well. I think it's probably a tougher gig to play in a house intimately like that than the Royal Concert Hall, I must admit. But yeah, um, I can see a great use case for it. I'd love to see it implemented not only in classical and jazz genres, but it could be used around the world in whatever genre. So well done and keep it up, guys. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens. Yeah, thanks so much. Really appreciate you uh, yeah, having us on. Let us tell our story. Thank you, guys. Really appreciate it. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. And thanks to Finn at Terra Spaces for recording this one for us. So, yeah, we'll be back on in a week's time at 3 p.m. UTC on Thursday, talking to another project building upon Juno Network. Thanks, MuseDow. Thanks, guys. Goodbye, everybody. Bye-bye. Thanks for checking out another episode of The Ether. That was Juno Builders, TFM AMA with Chain Tools and MuseDAO, hosted by Rebel DeFi, recorded on Thursday, September 8th, 2022. For TerraSpaces.org, I'm Finn. Thanks for listening. When we blow through the dust, volcanoes erupt. No one ever guessed that the game would be tough. Keep it hands off when the play is a bust. Plain old and just, so we keep it on the one. Blast off on the two. Help me see the three. Third eye open wide, checking out the scene. Razor beam focus, star scream jokers. Living off the fat of the people they approach. Tell me what happens when the land fights back. With the cliffs at our backs, make the last stand matter. No one ever planned for the famine on deck. We was walking all erect with the dead man swagger. Sitting in a little den, envision in the middle men. Listen to the fatal man play a little ditty then. Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian. Lost in the maze, trying to make the next bubble-billion. Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian. Lost in the maze, trying to make the next bubble-billion. Little Danny vision in the middle men Listen to the fiddle man Play a little ditty then Talk about how all the leaders seem reptilian Lost in the maze Trying to make the next No one gave a shit Till the drugs all dried up Everybody died from a bad batch of Lysol But it didn't matter We was all hyped up When the pedal lit the metal He just didn't have the right skill Watched in the daytime Till the night curfew Rats in a cage Till they make time to murk you Got a little job That falls under my purview We gotta get this mob Away from the birds view. Gotta find cover. Wipe off the bird poop. Ride off the work while you try on the worst juice. Blinded by perps who try to reverse truth. Slide like Fox News just trying to lie to you. Eating up the slop like a bunch of hungry vagrants. I can't wait for the day they lock us up in stasis. Mock up a basement could call me resilient. Waiting for the internet to make me a billion. Vision in the middle men Listen to the fiddle man Play a little ditty then Talk about how All the leaders seem reptilian Lost in the maze Trying to make the next B-b-b-billion Talk about how All the leaders seem reptilian Lost in the maze Trying to make the next B-b-b-billion Channel Spaces